0: Welcome to Yolitix, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics.
1: Hey, guys, Jason Whiteley uh, here with you alone for this podcast. Jason Wheeler um, is not an early riser, and he's probably out rollerblading in the snow late last night, so that might be the reason he's uh, not able to join me for this. Honestly, I I didn't give him a call. I'm not sure if he even knows about this interview. But wanted to share this emergency podcast because I got got a text early Tuesday morning. Honestly, I woke up, my phone had a bunch of texts on it, and noticed one from ERCOT, and ERCOT's spokeswoman Leslie Sopko texted me and said, Hey, would you like to do an interview with our CEO, Bill Magnus? Heck yeah, who wouldn't? ERCOT is the, is the center of attention right now in Texas. ERCOT, in case you don't know, is the organization that, that actually manages the power grid um, here in Texas. So Leslie says, can you do the interview in what maybe I don't know, 15 minutes? Laying in bed? Sure. I pop up, we do the interview. Uh, I have the the entire thing here I want you to hear. It's a 15, 20-minute interview, um, and and we asked him, you know, a a number of of questions that we're hearing from you guys. But here are a few quick highlights I I want you to to take away from. Um, Bill Magnus said today that about 45,000 megawatts of electricity is offline. Now, that number is important because yesterday, ERCOT said 34,000 megawatts of electricity is offline. So the number's going up. And just for your own knowledge, about uh, one megawatt can power roughly 500 homes uh, for a year. So we're talking about a lot of generation capacity physically as an on. The other thing I was curious about is, uh, you know, when in the world is this going to be over with? W- what kind of forecast or prediction is he going to have? And I asked him that a few times in the in the uh, podcast here. You'll hear it in the interview in just a moment. He said that roughly there are 70 to 80 power plants here in Texas that are not working right now. Why aren't they working? Well, most of them thought they were ready for the storm, but they just weren't ready for the storm. Their equipment froze. The uh, When the equipment freezes, things physically shut down. And here's something else that's interesting. If, if you've watched our coverage uh, over the past few days, you, you might have been able to, to glean this, or if you're maybe in, in the energy industry, you, you know this, but there are essentially three power grids in the United States. There's one on the East Coast. There's one on the West Coast. And there's one right in the middle, and that's Texas. Texas is the only state with its own power grid. Everyone else uh, shares power and manages each other's power. So I was curious, you know, hey, can we get power? Can we get some extra power to get the lights back on, the heat going again for for other houses? Uh, can we get this from the other parts of the country? And um, I asked Bill Magnus that. He said, well, normally we're, we are tied to the eastern side where we could get power from the east. But the East is having its own rotating outages right now. You'll hear him say this in the interview in a moment. Um, so that's one problem. Then the other question, which if you've been around Texas for 10 minutes or so, you, you may or may not know that we get a lot of power from Mexico. Mexico's a neighbor. It's a state to the south. I mean, you know, for as much as we love Mexico or some people hate Mexico, Mexico helps Texas a lot. Um, what I had heard over the past few days is that we can only get a limited, a small amount of power from Mexico. And Bill Magnus said, indeed, the most we can get on a good day for Mexico is 450 megawatts. We're down 45,000 megawatts. So that's kind of, uh, you know, some context on that. But uh, this is Bill Magnus' interview we did first thing this morning, uh, Tuesday morning with him as Texas is, is in the deep freeze and several million Texas electric customers are without power. Um, hey, Good. real quick b- before we get going, t- tell me where you're. Tell me physically where you are.
0: Uh, I'm at the Taylor Control Center for okay. ERCOT. I'm in the the control room where our operators uh, manage the grid twenty four seven. Awesome. And that's right. in Taylor, Texas.
1: Gotcha. And that's that's there just on the east side of Austin, still, right? That's where you're, you guys are still. Uh, right?
0: Yeah, northeast of Austin. Yeah, about
1: thirty minutes. North out northeast. Of Austin. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I yeah, haven't been there in a while. Let, let's, uh, Bill. Thanks for the time. Um, whenever you're ready here, we can knock that out. Okay. Bill, thanks for the time. I know you're probably exhausted. Um, let's start with the basic question. When in the world is this going to be over?
0: Jason, the number one job of everybody here at ERCOT is to get people's lights back on. And the challenge with this storm has been that it's, uh, impacted our ability to keep those lights on in two important ways. Uh, every day, we have to keep the supply of electricity balanced with the demand of electricity. If it gets out of balance, you end up with a a catastrophic blackout. So we're constantly uh, in the business of getting people their electricity. And this storm has challenged our ability uh, and and the industry's ability to uh, get power to folks because number one, uh, we've seen so much demand. Uh, We're seeing demand in the winter, nearly like we see at the top of the summer when we're all using our air conditioners. Uh, We have seen nothing like this, honestly, uh, uh, in in Texas uh, that has covered the state like this storm has. So it increased demand uh, to an extreme, uh, extraordinary height. Uh, And then the storm also made it difficult for the supply to be provided. Uh, uh, Whether wind turbines, it uh, froze or uh, natural gas supplies that got tight, or uh, solar farms that really couldn't produce because of the heavy cloud cover and snow. Right. Uh, the supply side of the equation has been challenged, too. Uh, well,
1: but, well, uh, let, let me ask you this, then. On Thursday, it looks like at least uh, the, the situation will, will get above freezing, at least for parts of North Texas. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a chance this could be over with Thursday or Friday? Or are we looking that you know, these outages could be extended through the weekend?
0: Well, we're trying to restore service uh, to folks uh, whenever we can. Uh, we've had, we had some restorations uh, yesterday. Uh, now the, the challenge has been uh, we'll have, we'll get service restored. And then if the, the grid gets unstable again, because of the, the issues with the weather and keeping the supply and demand in balance, uh, we've had to, to pull those back, unfortunately, but we're uh, committed to moving through to customer restoration and getting people's lights back on uh, as fast as we can do it securely, uh, and making sure that we keep the grid secure and safe so we don't have a, a worse problem. Uh, and I know this has been a terrible problem, but we don't want a blackout that could last uh, for a, a very, very long time and where the system has to be rebuilt. So uh, I think we can see those those uh, customers getting more and more service during the course of this week, but it just depends on uh, you know how the weather turns and, and how much of the power supply uh, that we can make sure is secure
1: you're hearing a lot of feedback we are too and and winterization is the one thing that energy experts and mm-hmm. uh elected officials which i presume you and your uh office have talked to are telling me that that these independent uh you know generators the, these power plants just physically were not ready they thought they were ready they winterized and a lot of them were ready and, and it's lasted fortunately but a lot of them just were not ready um What in the world should be done to prevent this from ever happening again? Is this something the legislature needs to step in on?
0: Well, we saw real improvements in the winterization of Texas power plants in the last several years. Uh, The last time we had rotating outages was back in 2011, 10 years ago. And after that, that was a winter event as well. And we've seen a lot of progress. And in 2018, we had some very cold winter times. Uh, but we saw the, the generation fleet perform very well through that. And so I think we really made some progress uh, getting ready for these winter times. You know, this this storm and the extent of it has been uh, extraordinary. Uh, and so we are seeing uh, a whole lot of uh, uh, units coming off for reasons that have to do with the weather. So certainly uh, winterization is something that constantly needs to be looked at. It's something we talk to the generators and the other participants in our market about every year uh, to to make sure best practices are getting out there. and We know what we're doing. But, you know, after an event like that, certainly that's that's one of those things that people are going to want to have conversation about to to ensure that we don't see this sort of uh, uh, problem. If we have another uh, historic storm like this one,
1: I I covered what happened in 2011. Uh, I was in North Texas when when that happened as well, too. And the the uh, FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission report uh, after that said winterization really was the key there. It was the same the same situation with 1989, which predates me. Um, But it looks like that that is likely another major factor. Here we are in 2021. It it seems like now we've got to do something at some point, whether that's mandated by the legislature or or these companies, just doing it on their own is is not cutting it, right?
0: Well, you know, as I said, Jason, our job every day is to keep the power on, deliver power to people. Uh, And uh, anything that uh, makes that easier, uh, anything that Uh, uh, provides the right incentives and gets those uh, practices out there that ensure that power can flow safely and reliably uh, all the time uh, is something we encourage. And and we work with our market participants all the time to look at whether it's preparing for summer, preparing for winter, uh, preparing for extreme conditions. Uh, So, you know, absolutely, this is uh, what we're in the business of doing. And when we are unable to, uh, you know, get power to people like in a situation like this, Uh, we want to find ways to, you know, get back in a situation where people are at full power in Texas.
1: Can you give us, uh, Bill, an idea of of how many, uh, specific generating units went down? Dan Woodfin said a number of them went down, gas, coal, and nuclear powered. Mm -hmm. Uh, How many went down? How many are back up? Because I think you guys have what, 600, uh, statewide, is that right?
0: Uh, I think in the neighborhood of 550. Okay. Uh, And, and, you know, Jason, I, I, I could ask Leslie to follow up with you on the, on a specific number. Today, we've got about uh, 45,000 megawatts. I know that's not a number of plants, but about 45,000 megawatts of generation uh, that's on outage. Uh, and that is a high number. And it does, as you said, include uh, just about every type of resource uh, from you know coal and gas to solar and wind. Uh, and, and a lot of those have been affected by the storm and are trying to get back. And, and their restoration is what's going to let us get the power back on.
1: And just to compare numbers here, uh, we heard mm-hmm. from ERCOT the other day that the, the number was 34,000 megawatts were out. Mm-hmm. Now it's at 45,000. I mean, just looking at the numbers, the situation looks like it's getting worse.
0: Well, that, that is a, the number we've got today. Uh, and uh, I, I, I guess I'd have to say, I don't think it's getting, we, we've had some that have come on and have tripped off. Uh, some have returned. Uh, so I don't think we, what, the way we're seeing it is a uh, you know, continuation downward. Uh, But, you know, snapshot in time, we have had some units that that were on that have come off, but some of those may be coming on, you know, very soon. Uh, Some of those may be wind uh, that were, uh, you know, may have been on uh, and then got frozen and then, you know, we've had an issue with them. So I don't think it's a situation where we're seeing it uh, continuing to just decline and we're concerned it's going to get, you know, even worse. Uh, But we certainly do have a lot of allergies that are still being dealt with today.
1: And can you kind of characterize where we are in this? I mean, you said you don't think it's it's declining, it's getting worse. Are we at a stable point yet in this? Well, there's two keys. Uh,
0: One is, you know, we're hopeful, and I think everybody in Texas is hopeful, that we're going to see at least a little bit of moderation in the weather. Uh, While it will still be cold later in the week, we're not going to see these single digits from, you know, Dalhart to Brownsville uh, that we've seen this week. Uh, So the moderation in the weather uh, if that comes through, certainly will uh, lower the demand side, which will help us serve uh, everybody's electricity. Uh, and so um, uh, as we continue, the second piece, I said too, yeah. the, the weather, and then just, you know, getting the generators back up. And we're working with them literally 24 hours a day as we're, as we're getting those units back on. And as we increase those, we can restore service. Uh, yesterday we were able to restore service for, uh, you know, probably hundreds of thousands of customers. Now, some of those we had to bring back into outage uh, when the right. conditions worsened uh, in the evening last night. But our goal is to uh, as, as uh, effectively, as, as often as we can and maintain the safety of the grid to add, the, add to the number of customers who are getting their power back on. Uh, and we hope we can continue to do that. And we hope to see some of that today, uh, increasing amounts of that. And then, of course, end uh, of the week.
1: Bill, a few last questions for you, too. And one that we're hearing so much of, if you can at least offer some context on this, people are, are just six ways of angry, rightfully so, trying to figure out why in the world that, you know, three houses down, they have power and they're sitting at home and 40 degree temperatures and they don't have power. Can you explain it all how that how that's laid out for these transmission providers? Are you familiar with that?
0: Uh, yes, uh, and, and uh, uh, my wife and uh, my, my eighth, eighth grader are two of those people. Uh, our power has been out at my home in Austin uh, for since it started Sunday night. Uh, and so that, that frustration of you know, ha- having to live uh, without power when you're in the coldest time of the year, I mean, we absolutely understand the difficulty of that. Uh, I would, and the, the, as far as the, the distribution of uh, the outages, uh, what ERCOT does is tell the transmission providers like Encore, uh, in order to keep the system in balance and avoid that catastrophic blackout, we need you to reduce demand by, say, 100 megawatts. Uh, and the, all of those transmission providers sort of divvy that up based on how big they are. And Encore is the biggest in the state. Uh, they divvy that up and they decide how they're going to manage uh, the shedding of that load. Uh, so they have developed plans. Uh, they try to avoid, you know, certain critical care customers, critical needs customers that they don't want to put into a rot- rotating outage. Uh, but that's uh, their plan and and their knowledge of their local areas that that dictates how those plans work. So we, we don't really have any uh, authority or anything to say about exactly how those work. Uh, and uh, ask folks to you know talk to their local utility about about why they why they work the
1: way they do yeah they carve it up i'm just curious about that um a couple last things here too is it a lot much has been made about this over the past two or three days about texas's independence with its own grid here which ERCOT manages mm-hmm. is is it time for texas to, after what happened now after what happened in 2011 is it time for texas to look at joining a, an rto a regional transmission organization to to hook up with the east or west interconnect, the, the power grids on each side of the, of, of the country?
0: Well, I think there are significant advantages to, the, to what Texas has. Uh, and one of those is you know, that we have never had a blackout. Uh, the Northeast blackout in 2003 took out power for people, millions of people from Canada to Ohio to New York. Uh, some of the largest cities in the US were out of power for a significant amount of time because it was one of those more catastrophic events. Uh, So those connections to other areas, you know, can have a downside is that you can help each other or or you can uh, cause each other problems. Uh, So, you know, we have not had a blackout. We've seen other parts of the country that have who are in more interconnected uh, scenarios. There's nothing wrong with those interconnected scenarios. But I think there have been a lot of benefits to Texans uh, of having our own power grid. And being able to manage uh, our, our energy system, you know, by Texans and by the Texas legislature and the Public Utility Commission here as a single regulator. So I think we've seen a whole lot of benefits in the, in the uh, cost of power day to day, the number of resources and the mix we can get on our system. Uh, and, and, you know, events like this, uh, you've got to look real hard and figure out, you know, what do we do to keep the power on? How do we avoid this sort of thing in the future uh, for the Texans we serve?
1: Yeah, and and obviously, as you can imagine, your own family. Many people wouldn't say they're you know reaping any benefits right now with with what's happening. Even though we haven't had anything catastrophic like that two thousand three blackout in the Northeast. Um, I know you're in the middle of this bill, but who's at fault here? Because people are angry, people are cold. Your family is mm-hmm. among those. Who do you blame?
0: Well, uh, you know. Uh, The the biggest part of this, and I know this, you know, you you want people to be prepared for weather. You want people to be prepared for contingencies, but this storm system and the extent of the low temperatures, snow, wind, freezing rain combination uh, has been uh, historic. Uh, The amount of demand that it's put on the electric system far exceeds uh, any extreme forecast that we've had in the past. Uh, and those extreme forecasts have served us well. They, they show us what we're usually going to have. So we need to you know, recalibrate based on what we've seen with this storm system. So I certainly think uh, the, the extremity of the situation uh, has caused uh, you know, the, the central problem of the demand going so high. Uh, and then that same extreme uh, makes it more difficult for a lot of the people who provide the supply to make that happen. Uh, So I think, you know, essentially it's that that difficulty of maintaining the supply demand balance when you've got both sides of the equation sort of working against each other.
1: But but if we uh, if we're sitting here with forty five thousand megawatts out right now during our conversation, (laughs) I mean, uh, it would seem to me on the outside that the power generators, these power plants are to blame for this. They just for as hard as they work and for as many preparations as they made, it appears they just did not do enough.
0: Well, all of these power plants have had, you know, have every single incentive in our market to uh, get ready, to manage. And we see them, you know, undertaking those practices for like, for example, in the summer of 2019, we had very hot weather, very tight conditions. Uh, You know, that generation fleet came through and has come through in all those, uh, you know, peak seasons. So I think there are, you know, people out there, you know, working and trying to fix the problems that we have. But uh, uh, they were facing a lot of catastrophic conditions during this time, like a lot of other people uh, in Texas have been.
1: Anything else you can think of, uh, Bill, you'd like to add or point out to tell Texans? Anything you're telling Texas mayors who I know are burning up your phone, probably just like, just like we are? Uh,
0: you know, Jason, we're going to work as hard and as fast as we can to get power back to people. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we talk about avoiding something worse, And I think a lot of people sitting at home in the cold without power for the period of time they have been are like, you know, what could be worse than this? Uh, And it's really that, you know, the safety of the overall system. So we don't have an even more catastrophic blackout that could leave people in the dark uh, for, you know, long, long periods of time without relief. Uh, We know that this tool of having these outages uh, is very hard for people and we don't like to use it. Uh, We we really don't want to use it often if we can possibly avoid it. But it's there to protect the safety of the overall electric system, uh, and we're going to work as hard as we can to get that electric system back in balance and get people back in service
1: and no idea yet how, how soon that might be. I know there are a million a million dynamics and caveats here, but I mean are you thinking by the weekend hopefully we can have some of these power generators? Uh, well well we
0: you know we were seeing some ability to restore some customers yesterday, and we did some right. uh, we restored some customers last night some of those we had to bring back on, you know, onto the the rotating outages, but we hope we're going to be able to, as we add more generation back into the system, uh, add customers in in blocks uh, that we can manage safely. And, um, you know, hopefully over the next, you know, if if things go well, I think we could add, you know, significant numbers of customers uh, later today. Uh, But if we continue to be challenged uh, either by the storm uh, or by other issues, we'll add them as quickly as we safely can. And that's our number one objective.
1: And I know I'm out of time, but just, just out of curiosity, how close have we been how close were we or are we right now to uncontrolled outages?
0: Uh, well, right now, because we're, we're using the, the, the uh, tool that we have of, of these outages, yeah. uh, we've been able to maintain a, a, um, uh, a margin that's safe uh, okay. to stay away from the blackout. I think as, as this started, uh, you know, Sunday evening, Uh, When we started to see the weather push in really hard and we started to see some of our generation have difficulties, um, you know, we got into that zone. We don't we don't ask people to have their power turned off unless we're concerned that we're getting into that zone where it would be dangerous otherwise. That's the only time that we ask people to to make that sacrifice.
1: Bill, thanks for uh, thanks for your time. We really appreciate you making time for us. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it.
0: Hey, Jason, I was going to weigh in. Um, yeah. I, I believe I was told that the number of units that had tripped were in the 70 to 80 range. Um, okay. That was a day ago, so I don't know what those numbers look like at this moment, but um, that gives you a, a, a yeah. sense of, of numbers.
1: And, and about 550 total power uh, uh, powered uh, plants? Actually,
0: actually, the number's gone up, I, I was going to tell Bill it's now at about 680.
1: Oh, so. six oh, hundred eighty. Well, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, we
0: we used we used five fifty for a long time, but we've had yeah, so much wind yeah. addition and solar addition, it makes sense. Like, I got to get that number unburned out of my brain. And, and I know. Well, wh- it wasn't it wasn't wrong. It's just that there's more now. So
1: that that's good. And, <laughs> you know, what, Leslie has to ask you real quick: How much are we getting from Mexico? Is it just a few hundred megawatts? And and are we able to get any from the East and West interconnects? Uh, that, that, I don't
0: think we're getting... Yeah, you want to yeah, take it, Bill? Up, yeah, let me just pick up... Yeah, I'll just shift that. We, there's a a total, you know, on, on a good day, a total of about 450 megawatts available, possibly, from Mexico. That's not, okay. a, you know, a ton. But, and we have seen during this storm system, uh, we have uh, uh, received imports from Mexico, but then those imports have been pulled because the weather system, you know, went down past Brownsville into Mexico. Okay. Uh, currently the East tie has been, uh, we're not able to use the East tie because the Southwest power pool, you know, the regional transmission organization right. that neighbors us is in uh, rotating outages this morning. Okay. Uh, they're, they're affected by the same, you know, the same dynamics we are. So that, that, uh, has, has played a part, but it, it it's dynamic.
1: Okay. in the West, are we able to tap into the West or do we, uh, West interconnect?
0: Uh, all of our DC ties are Mexico and over to the east.
1: Okay, gotcha. Hey, I, th- thanks again, guys. Leslie, I appreciate the call this morning, and and uh, Bill, thanks so much. Appreciate you explaining this to our folks. Well,
0: thank you, Jason. You- I know it's really been tough on folks, so I appreciate you letting us letting us
1: talk about it. So that was a lot to digest there from ERCOT, but that extra voice you heard there near the end, uh, that woman you heard speaking, was uh, a woman named Leslie Sopko. She's the communications director there at ERCOT. And again, ERCOT manages the power grid in Texas. ERCOT doesn't own the power plants scattered across the state, the 680 power plants. ERCOT does not own or operate the power lines that are running through our neighborhoods. ERCOT only kind of brings it all together and makes sure there's enough uh, electricity to go around. And obviously there is not enough electricity to go around right now. This is a very fluid situation. We anticipate those numbers will change. Um, hopefully they will improve. Uh, it was a hopeful conversation, I thought. There, there were some things he could offer, uh, but he could not answer one question. And, and he couldn't make a prediction, rightfully so, on when this will be over? That doesn't help the fact that there are millions of Texans in the cold right now. Hotels are booked. Where do these people go? It's, it's it's crazy out there. It was interesting. He said too, though, his own family, his wife, and he has an eighth grader at home, and they don't have electricity. We know you guys are are uh, you know struggling through this. We have a few more days of it uh, before Texas gets out of the deep freeze here looking forward to the weekend i know you guys are too stay safe stay warm and if we get more of these these in-depth interviews that, that we think that you might be able to glean something from we'll certainly uh, make those available to you thanks as always for following don't forget new episodes drop every tuesday wherever you get your podcast and of course we'll drop uh, emergency episodes like this uh, as they warrant y'all take care